This is the podcast about transatlantic business by MCM Germany. The Clue. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Clue. My name is Katharina Luise Kittler and I'm the head of communications and government relations at MCM Germany. I'm very happy to welcome two very inspiring and successful women to The Clue today, Christina Schreiner and Christine Wenzel. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. So you're both alumni of our Next Gen program, and that is also the topic of today's episode. We'd like to introduce you to this great program with firsthand experience shared by Christina and Christina. And we will talk about why they decided to participate in the program, how the Next Gen program helps them in their jobs, and how valuable the Next Gen community is for their career. Before we are diving right into the conversation, I'd like to give you a little context here. Our NextGen initiative connects young professionals with a strong interest in fostering the transatlantic partnership and in bringing together this group of very aspiring people from a variety of sectors. It is MCM Germany's goal to support tomorrow's decision makers and transatlantic business leaders. And of course, we are also very grateful that the program is supported by many of our member companies, for example, Texas Instruments, which is also the sponsor of this episode. Texas Instruments is a global semiconductor company that designs, manufactures, tests and sells analog and embedded processing chips. The company's passion is to create a better world for making electronics more affordable through semiconductors, which can be found in electronics basically everywhere. And as a partner of MCM Germany, Texas Instruments is committed to actively support our next-gen initiative and dedicated to strengthen the future of MCM Germany. So thank you very much, Texas Instruments, for sponsoring this episode and for supporting us. So Christina and Christine, would you like to introduce yourself first and tell our listeners how you found out about MCM Germany and our NextGen program? Yes, uh, this is Christine Benzo. I am heading the uh, Berlin office for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I'm also a business developer and I do work a lot with MCHEM uh, anyways. I'm heading one of the policy groups and I have uh, been in quite regular contact with uh, MCHEM. And uh, so I, I had the benefit of knowing uh, the organization and the value already. And then when I learned about this NextGen program, uh, of course I was intrigued and was curious to find out more. And Christina. <laughs> yes, I'm Christina Schreiner. Um, I'm with Siemens Advanta. There, I'm um, a yeah, solution partner for building in campus IoT solutions, helping to drive digitization for our customers. I learned about uh, the NextGen program from yeah, Siemens Corporate HR. They reached out about this opportunity. And as I looked into it, I was really intrigued by the program. It seemed very ambitious and has a diverse set of participants and um, also activities. So I think it fit very well with my intentions to broaden my network outside of Siemens and to look beyond yeah, interesting people to meet within Siemens, but really to meet people with the same interests and also yeah, same experiences when it comes to transatlantic relations. 
Yeah, so the, the program is, is basically made for you when you're interested in transatlantic relations and when you're working with a transatlantic company. So the Next Gen program focuses on young leaders and specialists. How did you get your first leading position in your companies? Maybe, Christine, do you want to start sharing your experience with that? Uh, yes, I, I would like to claim it was all on purpose and it all did follow a strategic red line. But I mean, as a matter of fact, it, it was an opportunity that was offered at the time. And um, it basically, I jumped into the unknown uh, at, at the time. Sometimes it's, it's really about grabbing the opportunities and taking on responsibilities um, and just going with the flow. So that was at least my, my way of um, having the fortune to be offered uh, an interesting leadership position and being able to really build the experience uh, on that. Yeah, maybe I can really build on that. Um, same for me. It's all about yeah finding the opportunities. Um, for me, I was working in the Siemens in-house consulting team. And after two years really yeah working with different Siemens teams, I realized that I would be interested in doing something longer term, not only a couple of months consulting project and then yeah, moving on, but really to, to take on the leadership of something for a longer term. And then started to look within my Siemens network, what, what other opportunities exist. And they were setting up a new team in the US um, and we're looking for someone that understands agile software development on the one side, but then is also able to really yeah, work across different teams and cultures, which then totally fit my profile. And at least within our company, as it usually is, you, you start as project manager or informal team lead, and then you basically prove yourself and, and, and yeah, start claiming more responsibility. And after some time, um, yeah, from this informal team lead and project lead, I basically moved into the disciplinary team lead and yeah, really not only made recommendations for hiring people in, into our team, but then really started hiring Yeah, and growing the team and shaping the culture even more. That sounds like there was some preparation involved in, in this process, Christina. When, when did you start preparing for your first leadership position? Was that something that you thought about right at the beginning of your career? Or did that come a little later in the process? Yeah, I mean, the aspiration to take on leadership role really was given for me from, from the get-go, so to say. However, when I then knew that now this is the time to really prove that um, this is something I'm made for and I really want to, you know, not only talk about how I would do it when I were in charge and if I were the leader, but to really then show and, and execute upon that, uh, I also thought about how could I prepare for that. Um, obviously, I, I also then found out um, there's not too much you can prepare for, but most of it is really training on the job. There's a book I read, it's called Committed Teams, and I, um, I found this quite helpful because it yeah, really builds on this idea to not only work in a leadership role to delegate tasks, but to really have a team that excels and is committed to a, a common purpose and vision, which I was lucky enough to yeah, have the opportunity to build this kind of team. Actually, most of the preparation was then with the team. We, we all went through, I don't know, agile training. We did a scrum training. We really were very honest and then we were fortunately enough able to create a culture that allowed us to also then yeah really check in with ourselves how is it working what can I as a leader of the team do better how can we perform better as a team together 
Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. And I also think that some preparation is always helpful, but you get to know the real job when you're on the job, right? So um, I think, Absolutely. yeah, it goes both ways. What, what experience did you make, Christine, in your first leadership position? Yeah, I think the starting point is really, I mean, knowing what you want. There's, there's little uh, sense or also little success in, you know, taking on jobs where you already from the get-go feel, okay, it might be a leadership role, but, you know, it doesn't fit your profile. And so it's, it's, you got to trust your gut as well. If you, if you make a move like this, even though you always have to accept gaps, you never know everything and you're not supposed to. So accepting the gaps and still trusting your gut if, if it feels right. I guess this is something that's also a learning process in terms of, of personal development, trusting yourself that you can fill the gaps, that you can learn and, and make new experiences. You know, you cannot please everybody in a process like this, uh, the further you move up the ladder to manage this type of really interpersonal relation in, in a new responsibility gap. Um, I think this is also an important Uh, learning curve and also again for the personal development understanding yourself and how you click how how much you want to integrate a, a feedback loop and process how it works without trying to please everybody you know not everybody not everything works there's always uh, <laughs> failure is part of the process and you just grow at every step yeah I mean the, the, the Americans would say the growth mindset um, that's definitely helpful to to develop this type of thinking when moving in new responsibilities and yeah, taking over new roles. Yeah, totally. I mean, there are so many new responsibilities and tasks um, you have to fulfill when you're in this new position. When you think about these first weeks or months uh, in, in your new positions, what were the biggest challenges? For me, generally, a, a challenge that I faced um, and Maybe I didn't realize this very at the beginning, but it then yeah, dawned on me that in this first leadership position, I was kind of stuck in the middle. I, I had a team that was looking at me and was looking for guidance, but then also obviously had a manager and they had a manager being confronted with targets that not necessarily fit within my strategy or within the vision I had for the team, but I somehow had to um, yeah, execute along the lines and I couldn't change everything. Obviously, there's always room for negotiations also, yeah, upwards the ladder, but then there's some things you just need to go with and you need to then convince your team, even though sometimes you're not even convinced. So this was, I would say, a general challenge that that I've faced in many leadership positions. And then in, in especially the first role I had, obviously, um, it, I was even more challenged because it was a, a team that was not only distributed across the US, but then, I guess, across the globe, or at least between yeah, Europe and um, the US. And also, there were very high management expectations and visibility and um, maybe even unrealistic expectations. So navigating that um, between, you know, setting expectations straight, but then also being able to motivate the team and challenge the team and move them forward was quite challenging but also I, I learned so much in that couple of years so it was worth the wild ride I would say. <laughs> yeah I, I, I can imagine and I think um, that is one aspect that we usually think of when we're or we should think of when we're in the middle of Uh, dealing with a huge challenge is um, learning that we learn something that we can grow that we can yeah develop in in our career so 
Um, maybe you can tell us a little more about that. What were some impactful learnings for you in your current positions? It starts with myself and how much I know about myself. And um, as you said, knowing what makes me tick and then also learning not to be liked by everyone or I guess depending too much on this likeliness or I don't know how you say that, being liked by people. And I think this was a big learning for me. For me, there's just so much about communication. I mean, as, as you mentioned, Christina, with the, with the management, of course, upwards uh, and with the team, and at, at least in, in my company, and I'm, I'm sure it's very similar for a lot of other companies, uh, a lot just happens purely virtual. You're not always in a face-to-face -face setting and trying to navigate the waters also with colleagues in your team that are not your uh, direct reports, for example. I mean, it's, it's complex. <laughs> you, know? you, you want to keep them motivated. You want to keep everybody on focus. Sometimes uh, folks have different incentives. So really to manage a project that leads to, to one target. For me, it's, it's a lot of soft skill required from, from my perspective. Also building trust amongst other on a, on a virtual. I mean, some colleagues I, haven't, I have never met, especially now after the COVID year. I think this is really a new requirement that might not have been as evidenced in, in previous years or in, in regular classic German uh, job constellation. So to navigate those matrix management styles or agile virtual, you know what, teams is yet a new requirement that you need to be able to, to really handle. And that's, that's quite a challenge communication-wise. I mean, I've, I myself had um, in, in the past years, sometimes managers that were technically excellent, you know, thematically fully up to speed, but communication-wise, <laughs> not so much. Yeah, totally. And I think, especially when, when you're in a team that is in, in these times connected only virtually and that we cannot see each other. We have to communicate only via these, um, these tools. And um, of course, before the pandemic, there were also so many teams that were distributed across the globe. So I think that is a very important skill, communication. Are there any other um, recommendations that come to your mind that you would um, tell young leaders when they enter their first managing position? So maybe you can share some, um, some examples where communication is really the, the best tool to achieve the goals of your company. I mean, the start point, trusting yourself is, is a big one without expecting of yourself to know everything, but to, to trust that you can build the needed level of expertise uh, with the team together. You know, basically you are there to enable them to deliver the goals and, and incentives and um, to, to have a clear understanding of your own position and role towards the team, uh, I think is, is quite important. And then really this non-pleasing and, and maybe, you know, it's, it's a special classic uh, women driver, but there's always this, you know, you want everybody to be happy and you, you'll never get there. If you take on every criticism, it's not going to work. Obviously, you need to learn how to differentiate between constructive, healthy criticism to advance, to move on, to learn. But, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, crossfire from an unneeded direction. Yeah, and I, I would build on that saying that, um, as you said, it's uh, be aware of the role that you have and that you're not necessarily in this position because you know everything best, but maybe because you don't know something or you know something that the team doesn't know. And so it's it's not a you're better than everyone and this is why you're in this position, but 
you're good at something that the team might not have. So it, I think it's it's really about asking good questions and finding out who is good at what and what exactly you know builds this team composition, right? What is it that you bring to the team that they need from you? But then also your team, what do they bring and what might not be actually visible? Yeah, if you look at only their, I don't know, LinkedIn profiles or their job description. And then another thing that, that at least for me was always uh, really helpful and it sometimes get lost and which is I funnily enough, I think something that's also at the clash of the gender stereotypes or I'm at least struggling with that a little bit is being vulnerable, being open um, is something that, yeah, I've always pushed very much for myself, right, to share when I'm not sure um, how to do it or, you know, that I'm insecure, I have my doubts or whatever. Um, I'm always the person that shows that, but then obviously on the other side that goes with, does that make me look weak as a woman? Because obviously I'm not, I'm not weak, right? I know why I'm the leader of the team and yet still there are some doubts I might have. And sharing that, taking the team along the ride, being vulnerable and open is something that that I find very important, hoping not to be seen as this weak, insecure person, which I'm not. I, I, I totally agree. And I think it's it's a very interesting point because it does reflect on, in the end of the day, on a, on a healthy work environment <clears throat> where, where you have the space to, you know, ask a question if you don't know, if you pretend oh, you know, you know, everything, then it's not a healthy environment and it's not going to advance the company goals either. Mm, and mm. if you take this responsibility, not only for yourself as an employee, but as a leader, that's also the kind of space you want to create for your team to, you know, regardless of, of gender or issues, but to, to have a safe workspace created for the team members, also independent from the professional aspect, really. Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more, but I think one one thing that is challenging for, for everyone that is in a leading position and who follows this vision of I'm a leader, but at the same time, I am also a team member. And I'm, as you said, Christina, I don't know everything, but I think one challenge in this context is that, that there are still so many different leadership styles. I can imagine, especially when you're um, with a big company, sometimes leadership styles can clash and that you have to find a balance between your style and your vision of, of being a good leader and maybe someone who's more of a traditional leader and who's maybe um, not yet convinced of this new leadership style in this new working world. So how... How do you handle this in your companies? Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because it's just something that um, being discussed within Siemens quite some. We used to have this picture of the leader where we described what a perfect leader looks like. And there is not this one perfect leader, right? And, and this is being very communicated widely across now. And, and there is a good leadership style that fits a specific team, a specific situation. So really acknowledging this, that everybody brings their strength and you just need to find the situations and the teams where the people can play towards their strength. And as you just said, there's this more traditional leadership style. And there is an environment where this leadership style really fits well. And you need that kind of leadership. If you have, you know, I don't know, solid business and business, everything is very um, reliable. And, and that part of the business is very foreseeable, then it might make sense to start looking into long-term plans. But then if it's uncertain, digital disruption is happening in that particular part of the business, then you might need a different leadership style. 
that yeah, is more flexible and agile in that sense. What really helps me is to always acknowledge and, and, and look back to this positive side of things. What is it good for? Where do we need this kind of skill? And where do we need this kind of style? Rather than looking at where does it not fit? Yeah, definitely. And I think this this whole discussion also touches on, on the topic of diversity, because diversity is, of course, important in, in teams and especially when it comes to, to leadership positions. And we also want to foster that with our next gen initiative to have many people from very different backgrounds coming together and sharing their different experiences with their companies so um, coming coming to that topic of today's episode and how far was or is the next gen program able to help you develop your career and be successful in your positions i think it is always always helpful to build this type of network and what i like about uh, next gen a lot is interdisciplinarity not only in terms of variety of companies, but also the, the tasks and background that everybody brought in. So, you know, in, in my case, it, it wouldn't be the corporate or business development world, but, you know, there would be folks in a whole lot of different uh, backgrounds, really. And, and this is the type of learning curve that you can take uh, from a group like this, having the one joint element in common ground, uh, having the transatlantic interest, really, and working in, in transatlantic companies. So um, that's definitely something that always is healthy and broadens your mind. And, you know, everybody grows on their jobs and takes next steps, maybe changing companies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me as well, this meeting yeah, people from different perspectives, as you said, different backgrounds. Uh, obviously, the topic of digitization is something that uh, drives very much um, a lot of my discussions. But then talking with, I don't know, lawyers and uh, people from accounting companies and, and hearing their view on two topics that I was working with every day was really broadening my perspective a lot. And then specifically for me, um, I found out about my pregnancy just a couple of weeks before the program started. So um, it was also really helpful for me to meet other um, yeah, successful parents or yeah, new parents. Or uh, I think in our program, there were um, two or three other people that also turned moms and dads during our year. And that was just really good to have this peer group of people that's not within the same company but also going through the same phase of the life and and, and yeah having a topic to exchange around that as well was really good yeah i think that is really amazing about the program that you have so many different people in the group and as you said christina so, so many different backgrounds some are parents some are planning to be parents so you can talk about so many um, challenges both in in your career but also when it comes to um, the famous work-life balance <laughs> so mm. um, is there um, any specific part of the program um, that you like most as you know we have many many possibilities that the program offers and we have meetings and sessions in um, different cities throughout Germany. We also have our summer conference, uh, which usually takes place in uh, Bavaria for one week with uh, very interesting seminars and discussions. Um, so what, what comes to your mind when you think about the program and what did you like most about it? I think for, for me, what was definitely um, the highlight was our time together in uh, at the at the lakeside in Bavaria 
because this is the, the bonding moment. You have not only a professional input for your um, professional life and, and you know, also soft skills, but also the social time and, and the right mix. I mean, only social time is also not the goal, but really to have a good mix of inspiration, growth, and you know, some fun along the way um, that, that really kicked it off. And this sets the basis for all the, the other opportunities we had along the program. Um, in different cities. Yeah, and uh, building on that, I think for me, uh, the, the foundation for this, what you just said, Christina, for me was the, the composition of the group. I felt like that we were very well curated and, and there was uh, exactly the, um, let me say, the right group coming together. It was diverse enough, but not, not too diverse so that there was a no common ground, right? So it was very well curated. And then also, as you said, the conference, but then also having some other events scheduled in the future. And then I remember when we met at the Transatlantic Conference, Business Conference in Berlin, a couple of months after the first conference, it was really like meeting old friends and having this kind of touch point a couple of months later it was, it was really good. And by the way, what I also liked about the composition of the group was you did not only have, let's say, large transatlantic corporations, but there were you know, SMEs and, and uh, smaller agencies as well. So the, the large and smaller um, aspects, it, it's just a different perspective. And that was, that was good to have a mix. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And um, you both just said how, how valuable this network is. So I'm, I'm just curious, are you still in touch with um, other next-gen alumni? And how, how do you benefit from the next-gen community and maybe also from um, the, the network MCHAM Germany offers? Yeah, so for me, um, I'm in touch with um, still some or many of the, the next-gens I met. Obviously, uh, yeah, just because it's inspiring young leaders in, in similar positions, as you said, Christina, small companies, bigger companies. So it's it's interesting input. It really is a foundation for exchange on, on current topics, but then also on, as, as mentioned earlier, right, it's young mom and dads. So um, really checking in on how, how are you managing, right? How, how is your little one developing and, and yeah, having a different perspective on that as well. Another question I have is um, maybe for listeners who are new to, to the NextGen program or also new um, to MCHEM Germany, in, in your opinion, why should companies nominate young leaders for the NextGen program? So if you put yourself in the place maybe of your, of your managers, how do they benefit from your participation in the program? It is an opportunity for growth. And if you want your teams to you know, develop and the team members to you know, broaden the horizon, get new perspectives, that's, I mean, that's an, an excellent occasion to, to follow through. And especially if you have any type of transatlantic aspect, business, company background, it's just a great concept um, and it's not too rigid. So if you want your, your employees to you know, make the next move to, to grow, then that's that's really an, an interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, what what gives this room to grow is really also this um, yeah, carefully curated network, but then also access to and, and exchange with um, decision makers that are relevant and, and new, let me say, stimuli and impulses that um, your employees can then bring back to your organizations and, and not only for their, let me say, career growth, but yeah, really also for the company and, and bring new stimuli 
back into the teams. Another important aspect of the NextGen initiative is, of course, fostering transatlantic relations since we're a transatlantic business organization. Why are the relations between the US and Germany important to you personally, but also in your jobs? So for me personally, um, I've lived in the US um, several times at different um, stages of my life. So yeah, I have many friends there, Americans, but then also Germans that uh, moved to the US. So really transatlantic relation in that sense um, is also very personal. Um, and then also job-wise, obviously, um, Siemens as a company has uh, huge teams there. So it's important to collaborate. We have products that are being developed in the U.S., but then also the, the U.S. is a big target market for us. So I, I think it's both. It's, it's the exchange of ideas and, and, and people that's really important when it comes to the relationships with the U.S. I mean, in my case, it's it's similar. I did live in the U.S. Um, uh, a while, and also my my company is uh, headquartered out of uh, California. It's not only the, the personal interest and the liaison with uh, friends, the friends I have, but it's also you know understanding where folks come from, and this goes back to cultural backgrounds uh, and and also differences in both countries. And within a company, sometimes it gets lost in translation. You know, you don't have everything spelled out. But to understand where they come from, where, where the triggers, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this growth mindset, it's just sometimes different from the classic German thinking and approach. And once you know where they come from, you can relate and, and uh, work together much more targeted and, and more, more professional. And um, it's just always helpful to change perspective and to grow. Yeah, of course. And, and you just said that um, in, in your case, Christina, the U.S. is a target market and your company, Christina, is headquartered in, in California. So transatlantic relations, of course, play a role in your everyday work life. Um, how, how do you manage transatlantic relations in your, um, in your work life? Um, for example, when it comes to intercultural communication or um, introducing new ideas to the U.S. or American ideas to to the to Germany when it comes to best practice um, exchange, maybe you can give us um, some examples. How how does a job in a transatlantic company look like? And in my case, for example, I'm, I'm currently working on a topic around digital sovereignty, which is very much driven out of Europe. And the concept of digital sovereignty is not something that is very evident or present uh, from a US perspective. You know, the independence from, you know, large US hyperscalers and, and whatever. So to have this conversation with leaders and technologists in our lab or in, in, in the US has been you know, a process to, to you know, explain what are the triggers also from customers and partners um, initiated out of Europe. And that has now over the past couple of months really grown into a new also company perspective on, on digital sovereignty in this case. So that has been really interesting to set the trigger and overcome the different perspectives on, on both ends uh, transatlantically and now have a joint perspective and objective where we want to be where we want to position ourselves and where we want to go so that has been a, a very interesting learning curve for me and was 
probably the definition of you know, transatlantic cooperation. Yeah, I think, Christine, this goes very much back to what we also said at the beginning, that um, knowing yourself, knowing what triggers you and, and being aware also of your shortcomings, I think, in, in helps a lot with that. Um, for me, having lived in both cultures and, and knowing the good and the bad of each culture, so to say, um, but also acknowledging where, where there are shortcomings in, on either side of the pond, so to say, and, and to really helping to strive to um, make the best of the both worlds. And, and as you said, taking some concepts that are maybe big here, yeah, finding then the good of the American, let's just go ahead and try something out um, kind of way and, and find common ground that then really is best of both worlds. Um, is something that on a day-to-day -day basis we, we are trying to do in our teams, um, but then obviously not trying to create a, a compromise that doesn't work on either side of the pond, right, but finding something that works on both sides. Yeah, and, and I think this is a perfect slogan for uh, also the, the work of MGM Germany, finding both worlds with each other and learning from each other. And yeah, sharing best practices. There are so many windows of opportunity here to co cooperate and um, find projects that we can work on together. So in your opinion, how can, can young leaders of international companies support the transatlantic partnership in their jobs? It is a partnership, right? And a partnership is always something that's personal. So it's, it's about listening, it's about communicating, that's always important in a, in a partnership. And uh, I think the foundation for that is to yeah, always assume good intentions. And then also, if you realize it's not going in the same direction, or in the right direction, to cutting the other person some slack, to not always pointing out the things that are not going well, but focusing on the things that are. And I think this is really, as you pointed to the opportunities coming up, I think it's important to focusing on the things that can be and um, yeah, that are working well, rather than pointing out the things that are not going well. Yeah, well, well said. <laughs> it's probably a classic German uh, approach to, <laughs> to point that out. That's, that's true. Now, indeed, really focusing on what you want to achieve. Uh, I mean, it's, it's building trust along the way. It's, you know, listening communicating all the other soft skills we, we mentioned earlier today, and then to, to go in and be on the same page of where you want to go. You, you know, you don't want to be disappointed if you see that, you know, your partner across the pond is, uh, is working towards something completely different. And you realize it has probably been a misunderstanding for whatever reason at the very beginning of the cooperation. And then, you know, everybody's uh, unhappy. So really be clear about what the objective is uh, and, and build the right also personal basis to, to execute on it. Yeah, we can we can totally build on that. And I think these were also the, the perfect last words um, of this episode when we think of the future of transatlantic relations, but also the future of young leaders and transatlantic companies. So thank you very, very much for being on the clue today and sharing your insights with us and telling us a little more about the next gen program and what you learned from this program. So yeah, thank you for joining this episode today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So if, if you, our listeners, want to learn more about MCHEM Germany, our members, activities, and political positions, please visit our website, mchem.de, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Thanks a lot for tuning in today and talk to you soon. Thank you.